Hello and welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm talking about Monster Kid Radio, but you knew that because you downloaded this show probably from a podcatcher, a podcast directory of some sort. You wouldn't have just accidentally found it, but on the off chance that you did, thank you for being here and I hope you stick around while we have not just one, but two very cool conversations with some people that I've been wanting to talk with for a while now. But before I talk about them, I want to tell you about me. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I'm a huge fan of all things classic monster movies, and I'm a huge fan of instrumental surf music, which is why I open every episode of the podcast with a bit of surf music from some surf band out there, and this time around, we're playing some music from the band The Atomicos. Now, they've got a new album coming out called Fins Up, and they sent me a copy of the album. This song is called Tope Suicida. Yes, that's a wrestling term. Pro wrestling does come up at least once during today's episode. And I like the song anyway. But you can pick up the entire album, what it comes out, next week by going over to atomicos.bandcamp.com. Check out the album Fins Up. And while you're there, why don't you pick up their other album, Left Coast, and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. This time around, this week, we've got, like I said, not one, but two different conversations happening here on the show. First of all, we're going to talk with a filmmaker by the name of Willow Paulson. Now, earlier this year, we did a month of Monos the Hands of Fate coverage here on the show, and that's because I love Monos. Unironically, I really, really dig Monos. And one person that I've been wanting to talk with for a long time is Willow, because she is spearheading what looks like it's going to be a really cool series called The Monos Chronicles. You might know a little bit about the Monos Chronicles. I've been friends with Willow for a long time on Facebook, just never really had a chance to interact with her. And I've been kind of keeping an eye on the Monos Chronicles a little bit to see what's going on with the project. Willow's going to tell you a little bit more about what the project is, but I'm kind of in an emergency situation with the Monos Chronicles. They had some things happen and they need to make a real big push for their Patreon. And, you know, I want to see more Monos material in the world, so I invited Willow to come on the show to talk about it. And then the main conversation we have this week is with returning guest, Monster Kid Radio, irregular, Lord Bloodraw. Lord Bloodraw is a horror host. He's got stuff happening all over the internet, different parts of the country, and on this week's episode. We're going to catch up with Lord Bloodraw, talk a little bit about the things that he's got coming up, some new things or returning things for him, and we're going to do kind of a, an overview, a brief history of the horror host tradition. Does it get super in-depth? No, there are some amazing documentaries for that, and I'll tell you about those at the end of the show. But it is a fun conversation just between a guy who happens to dig horror hosts and a horror host who happens to dig what we do here on MKR. So that's coming up this week here on the show. Plus, Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review, because we cannot go a week here on Monster Kid Radio without talking about a little Ultraman action. Let's go ahead and give the Atomicos a break with them fade out. We'll be back at the end of the show. No worries. And we'll get on to the rest of this week's episode right now. Look! It's coming! What is this? Where did it come from? Monster Attack San Francisco. Golden Gate Bridge ripped from towers. Skyscrapers topple. Our city may be next. See Columbia Pictures. It came from beneath the sea. 
I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. Rats. Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms and he made me drink. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, Episode 27, Go to Hell with This One Blow. Original air date, October 8th, 1971. For reasons known only to the monster, Kaiju Gronken, using its saw blade hands, beheads a gigantic deity statue at a mountain shrine in the middle of the night. Having committed its act of large-scale vandalism, it vanishes into the shadows. Meanwhile, on his morning run, Go makes the acquaintance of kickboxer Saburo Azuma, who is training for his final fight. When Go dodges a motorcycle using a maneuver called the Ultra Kick, Saburo pleads with him to teach him the move. After a brief period of training, Saburo masters the Ultra Kick, undergoes tutelage, and reveals his motivation for winning his last match. He's made a deal with himself. If he wins, he will introduce himself to the attractive young lady he sees on the bus every day. If he loses, he will leave the city once and for all. Incredibly, the woman on the bus turns out to be Aki, and when Go pieces this together, he decides to keep assisting Saburo rather than undermining his efforts. Things reach ahead when Gronken re-emerges at the very moment of Saburo's fight. The monster swats Go's jet out of the sky, summoning Ultraman in the process, and the two battles play out simultaneously. Go to Hell with this one blow, in addition to having a truly memorable title, tells a compelling, human-centered story. So much so that the monster Gronken's storyline seems like an afterthought. While the blade-wielding kaiju gets a good deal of screen time, including a grisly death, 
and boasts an undeniably creative design, the viewer has no clue as to why Gronken is acting out so. It's a stark contrast with kickboxer Saburo, whose motivation is so clearly focused. That said, episode 27 is absorbing, drawing the viewer into the world of athletic competition punctuated by the appearance of Tadashi Sawamura, who plays himself in a sparring match with Go. Sawamura began his kickboxing career in 1966 and is often credited with sparking the Showa-era kickboxing boom. With a lifetime record of 232 wins, 5 losses, 228 of these wins coming by knockout. In 1970, Sawamura's life became the basis of an anime series entitled The Demon of Kickboxing, and he even recorded the show's theme song. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. Creatures from the grave battle each other to see who or what will be left. See all the remains in War of the Undead, a super triple shock treat starring your favorite ghastly ghouls. See the Prince of Vampires fight the King of Monsters in Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Then watch the maddest werewolf alive slash vampires to pieces in Frankenstein's bloody terror. And of course, see vampires slaughter savage cavemen in horror of the blood monsters. It's triple terror, three times the thrills, torments, and tortures as bloodthirsty demons meet in the massacre of the century. Don't miss the greatest triple shocker of all. It's Dracula versus Frankenstein. Frankenstein's bloody terror and horror of the blood monsters all in one super show. It's war, war of the undead in blood-drenched color. Rated PG. Can you feature that awful creature? Can you feature that ugly creature? Creature features and feature features about creatures. Creature features. Now the strangest thing about this show or two is its host, Bob Wilkins, and he brings it to you. <laughs> Welcome to Channel 2's version of Saturday Night Fever. And tonight, um, there, there will be a creature, get someone, because we've got a movie about devil worshippers. They're nasty people. When they want somebody, they really go after them. This is a, a low-budget film, like you know, that's sort of rep <laughs> repetitive with tonight's, uh, the title of the show, Creature Features. But this was a, a low-budget film, I'm sure a first effort, and it uh, has a lot of Texas written all over it, shot down the border there. And what I want you to do tonight is sort of stick with this film like it was yours. It was your first effort, okay? And you can tune it off, tune out of it, whenever you think that you could have done a better job, all right? But please wait till the opening credits, all right? Enter the Devil, first time on television. And um, it, it's not bad. It has a surprise ending. It's got a couple of good things going for it. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Land. 
Today we are talking about horror hosts. Famous Monsters was on board with these local fiends from the early days, with special attention paid to their Philadelphia, New York ghostly host, Zachary. We heard the first article about him during MKR 445. I promised another look at Zachary the next time we featured a horror host, so here we go. In FM 7 from June of 1960, Zachary graced the cover and was also featured in a five-page, 16-photo spread with corny pun-filled captions. All this to promote the newest item from the infamous Captain Company. You can have Zachary in your own home. Think of it. He's six feet tall. Life-size. Unbelievably realistic giant photo pinup looks absolutely alive. Really out of this world, here he is at last. Zachary himself. All six feet of your favorite ghoul, now available in a full-size pinup that you'll keep forever. This is the most striking six-foot-tall photo you ever saw. A masterpiece of reproduction that will startle anyone who sees it. You'll think Zachary is actually in the same room with you. The Zachary pinup will supply a hundred hours of laughs. Think of the gags you can pull and the fun you can have with six-foot Zach. Have your photograph taken alongside with your favorite ghoul. Scotch tape the Zach pinup to the inside of your den or bedroom door. Put it between someone's bed sheets. Ring doorbell. When friend answers, hide behind the full-size figure of Zach. A million dollars worth of ghoulish glee with Zachary. Money-back guarantee, if not 100% satisfied with Zachary. Many uses. As a giant-sized pinup in den, playroom, bedroom as a gag on the inside of a closet door, on a ceiling, etc. As a calendar, by simply applying a calendar pad on the pinup with scotch tape or paste. As a party gag, put one in the powder room, but don't tell anyone, wait and hear the screams. As the horror host craze died down, FM didn't have much to say about them. But in FM 144 from June of 1978, Florida horror host Dr. Paul Bearer merited it mention in a four-page, six-photo article. Here are some highlights. And they said Seymour, the late ghost host, was bad. And Zachary, the original madman of Terrorvision. But you ain't heard nothing yet, Hatfield, till you've laid your ears on the outrageous puns of Dr. Paul Bearer. The squeaking door closes and this video poisonality does El Gracho Croucho through the gloom in his uneasy chair. I bought it from the Bad Will store, he explains. He continues, Good evening, Fright fans. I've been lurking for you. And another chapter of Fright Theater is underway. Earlier in the day, the appalling doctor has welcomed all monster maniacs to a spectacular double terror treat on Creature Feature. Late last year, Dr. Paul Bearer celebrated his fourth anniversary in the Tenement Castle as Monster of Scaramonies for Creature Feature, seen in St. Creaturesburg, Florida, and Fright Theater, seen in Saturday Nights. His celebration included using Betty Croker cake mix to bake a chocolate slayer cake with whipped scream icing, toasting the event with a glass of mulled duck wine, checking his horoscope which is, to his delight, predicted a bad day, and opening gifts, a bottle of dye karate after grave lotion from his pet spider, Spenjamin Bach, and a fruit of the tomb t-shirt from his worst school friend, 
witch Hazel, who flew in on her broom for the occasion and crash-landed through the picture window. This caused considerable pain. Dr. Paul Bearer is the alter eagle of Dick Bennick of Cypress Gardens, Florida. He got the idea for the doctor while working in TV in North Carolina and spent six years playing the part there. When he moved to Florida, he took his character with him and was an immediate success. According to the rating services, the show has enjoyed an average of 75% increase in audience for the past four years, proving a little horror now and then is relished by the beast in men. One of Dr. Paul Bearer's most prized possessions is a complete collection of every issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland, going all the way back to issue number one. This maggot scream, he said, has played a horribly important part in the development and success of Creature Feature. As he finished his fourth anniversary, Fright Theater program, Dr. Paul Bearer took a final sip from his detective cocktail featuring a private eyeball leaned back in his coffin and, as the lid creaked slowly shut, said, Good night. Pleasant screams. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Imagine the world around you is nothing but an illusion. Creatures of legend wage endless wars between shadow and light, but you never see it. Even now, dark forces threaten reality as we know it, but most people never know they exist. This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. The Byron Chronicles, available at ericbosbypresents.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available. beautiful girls and one lone man struggling for survival with death sudden violent and horrible lurking in the shadows horrors of spider island out of the night came a fate worse than death a man's mind twisted his brain poisoned with an uncontrollable lust to kill Horrors of Spider Island Listeners, you all know I love Modest the Hands of Fate, and I mean that unironically. I'm one of those rare cats that likes to watch this movie straight, without a riff, without commentary. I love Monos. Not only do I love Monos for what could have been, but It also inspires me, and I love how it inspires other people to explore their own creativity and make other amazing things from this, I'm going to say it, piece of art. And one of those people is Willow Paulson. She's on the show with me this week. She's the person behind what looks like could be a really cool series, and I want to hear about it, especially since she mentioned on Facebook recently that they're looking 
to uh, drive some more patrons towards their Patreon site to make sure this thing gets done. So if there's anything I can do to put more models in the world, I want to do it. And hopefully Willow can tell us a little bit more about what she's got cooking. How's it going? And welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. What is it about Monos? I talk to so many people that love Monos and do things based on Monos. I love it, but I still can't figure it out. The first time I saw it, of course, was Mystery Science Theater 3000. And it was like, wow, what the heck? And then I saw the movie Ed Wood by Tim Burton, you know, and it was like, oh, 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 I get it now. That passion, they're just trying so, so, so hard to do art and just Mm -hmm. sort of failing spectacularly. So with having seen Ed Wood, I went back again and watched the original Manos in that light. And I was like, I get it now. You know what? Bless their little hearts. They did try their darndest and they just kind of didn't know what they were doing. And you know, I have a new appreciation. <laughs> you know, I, I'm inspired by what they attempted to accomplish. And he technically did win the bet. He did make a movie. This is true. This is true. But now I want to go to that alternate reality where Tim Burton made a movie called Hal Warren. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Jackie's been talking to some folks about possibly doing something along those lines, and I've offered to help with at least a first draft script of that. So who knows? Maybe there will be something like that. Oh, man, don't tease me. I've been friends with you on Facebook for a while, I think because of the Monos and Jackie connection, but you and I have never really interacted too much. Uh, I'm looking at kind of your background and some of the work that you've done. Can you tell listeners a little bit about what you do? I do very different things. (laughs) I've always been a visual artist. Um, That was my college major. Um, Those who follow me on Facebook know that I make like traditional native style baskets. I do embroidery. I'll do all kinds of stuff. But back in the days of Heroes, which was a huge, huge, huge influence for me, I got involved with meeting the, the showrunner and we're friends now. And at one point I was on set and watching him film uh, an episode of Touch by his invitation. And we're sitting there on the beach in Santa Monica. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he said, what, sit on the beach? And I was like, no, (laughs) I want to make television. And I started teaching myself and discovering that really in film and television, it matters more what you can do and how you do it and less about like degrees and, you know, piling on you know, acronyms after your name and such. And then a friend of mine introduced me to Jackie and Manos just kind of came from there, backing up a little bit. Uh, my first show ever was Vintage America with Ginger, which is uh, the first three episodes are still running on Amazon Prime. And I've done a few other gigs with a few other producers. Um, I've done some little stuff around here locally. But Manos, I, I think I was looking for something to do during COVID. <laughs> and in addition to making a quilt, that took me two years and is almost 1,400 individual pieces because COVID. Um, I also thought, <laughs> what can I make in the film realm and TV realm? Because um, I wanted to do something. And I thought, well, this seems like a low-hanging fruit. It has a built-in fan base. People love it or love to make fun of it. And let's just run with it. And I developed a script that involved very few locations, as few people in the same scene together as possible because COVID. So that's why... This first episode, um, there's quite a few phone calls at the beginning, (laughs) but I'm pretty proud of of what we've been able to accomplish with a very, very small crew and uh, one successful crowdfunding effort on Seedness Park. So we're talking about the Monos Chronicles and, you know, you go to like the Internet Movie Database or you look it up on Patreon and you got Jackie front and center there. Looks like she's coming back to play the role of Debbie, but she's all grown up and 
looks like she's not messing around anymore. Right. And I know that there's been Maddow's Returns that she mm-hmm. wrote and uh, co-produced. There's The Rise of Torgo, which I've seen, which is, is quite funny. Um, there's a couple of things, Manos, The Hands of Felts. Um, it seems to be spawning these weird things. I actually, at one point, tried to, to do a comic book in, in the Manos verse. But I feel like it's fertile ground um, because it is public domain. Anybody can do their take on what this all means and, and what Debbie's fate was and is. So my take is that she's become a monster hunter. See, now you're talking my language. I, I write about monster hunting. You know, I have a monster hunter fiction series that I'm writing. I, I love a good monster hunter story. You, you put Jackie as Debbie in that role in the world nope. in the world of Monos, the Monos versus hunting monsters. Oh, you're talking <laughs> my language, Willo. I don't know why we've waited so long to talk. You know, Facebook is a weird place. It, it shows you things. It hides things. It, it does what it wants. And, and I feel like there's things that you've done that I've missed that I'll have to, to go back and, and look more carefully at. But yeah, Supernatural is another big thing that I really, really love. The Magicians, uh, obviously Heroes, as I've mentioned before. Shows like that, which take a kind of familiar territory and kind of twist it in a new direction with a lot of character development. So it's not just, boom, boom, we're shooting superpowers everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I mean, sure, you can do that. That's popular. But what about the people? I mean, that's what grabbed me about Heroes. So really... The Manos Chronicles is about Debbie front center, but it's about who else she knows and other characters in the Manos verse, not just Debbie and how they interact and how they come together or split apart or bump into each other as the hands of fate decree. And we'll be discovering more about that expanded world um, as the show goes on, hopefully, if we can get funding. Which is what prompted this whole thing. And it happened real quick. And I want to put something out there right away because it sounds like the Monos Chronicles is in danger. <laughs> we need to get some attention, some light shown on this project. Thanks. What's going on? Basically, we had planned on having this out almost two years ago. Um, and, and what's happened since is people have drifted off. People haven't worked out for various reasons in post-production. Um, the lion's share, like 90% or more of what's been happening in post-production has all fallen on the shoulders of Craig, my husband, who is a brilliant sound engineer, musician. He's doing the score. He's doing the dialogue editing. He's doing, and as you can see where I'm going with this, he does everything. And in some cases, we tried to find other people to help. And it actually was ending up taking more time to show them how to do the thing than to just do the thing. That's a lot of why it's taken almost two years to get this first bit out and we have taken what was going to be a one hour pilot and found a good cut point at about the 30 minute mark it's going to be part one and part two so we're going to have two episodes where we were going to have one but that means that we can get the first half hour out uh, sooner ideally by the end of this month this is september 2023 that's the goal but because it's taken so long we've lost some ongoing funding I had a gentleman who was basically one of our main uh, supporters has suddenly become unable to support us any longer. And the last check that was sent, unfortunately, got stolen out of our mailbox. And so that is gone. And we don't have that. And that's why we're kind of slightly in crisis mode. We have a bit of a gap right now between when that check should have been in my hot little hands and is <laughs> somewhere else. So that's why, I mean, we started this Patreon two or three weeks ago and we're like, yeah, we need to really kind of get this going. And then that happened and we're like, 
we really, really super need to get this going kind of right now before we are basically running in the red and are going into overdrafts in our bank. <laughs> so that's where we're at is just the ongoing funds and anything from the Seed and Spark is, of course, long spent at this. Seeds and Spark is another crowdfunding platform. Yeah, we thought that was going to be the way to go. And it, and it was. I mean, we went way over our original goal, which is great. Um, but again, with ongoing expenses, there's some ongoing uh, subscriptions for sound design software and other things um, that, that just that trickle over two years has just emptied our bank account, unfortunately. So, but I mean, you know, we are, we are still going to put out an hour of material plus another 15 minutes, even if we have to somehow fund it ourselves, which again is where the Patreon is coming in. And I have two more people that I know are going to be patrons, large patrons. So that gives me hope, but we can always use more. As far as, I mean, Monos Chronicles content out there right now, there's the teaser trailer, right? Yeah. And I'll make sure that gets linked in the show notes, of course. I want people to be able to see it. I might have even... If it's okay with you, play a little bit of audio from it on this episode. Yeah. We'll get a taste of what we're looking at here. It sounds yeah. great. I mean, you can't tell on a podcast, but it looks great. Are you taking a straight approach to the material or are you going to kind of play up the, the campiness or the cheesiness of it? Kind of both. I mean, we're realizing if we try to go too serious with this, people are going to be looking for places to laugh. And if there aren't any, they're going to laugh where I don't want them to. I consider it a dramedy. I mean, it's about... I don't know, 70% serious, basically, and and 30% funny or intentionally funny. So there's not like giant, you know, yuckety yuck, yuck. It's, but there's, there's, there's humor in there. There's a few little jokes. There's some one-liners. There's some funny looks at each other, you know, so it it kind of breaks up. So I consider it kind of laying the tone of like a funny episode of Supernatural, you know, kind of like that. On the Seed and Spark page, there's talk about distribution at this point, because things have kind of changed. Is there still a distribution plan for what you are going to finish at least? Or do you do you know what you're doing there yet? Yeah, that's shifted a little bit um, because our distribution people um, that do uh, like Vintage America with Ginger, they require at least 60 minutes of material to be able to distribute. Because we've cut it in half and our first 30 minutes is being released as episode one, our original crowdfunders, we will let them see it first. Okay. Then... We are going to put the first 30 minutes up temporarily on YouTube for everybody to enjoy. And then once the second 30 minutes is finished, we're going to pull that and then go into regular distribution on Amazon Prime to be uh, and then whatever else that comes. Okay, so give you a little bit of a tease and then to watch the rest to an day Amazon or, or wherever else. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, because I, I can't really, well, I mean, they, they don't have exclusive, but they don't want me to have it for free someplace. So I do have to pull it off of YouTube. Sure. Uh, in order to have distribution, um, you know, sell it to, to Amazon. So the first a few months or something or however long it takes us to get part two finished, because there's a lot of special effects in part two. And that's part of what was bogging everything down as we wanted to release it as originally planned. But we were realizing that it was going to take so long to do what we've done, plus all of the special effects in the second half that we thought, you know what, let's pinch it off. Let's get the first 30 minutes out clean as it is. With There's a little bit of effects in there, not, not anything super exciting. Well, there's one cool thing. And then that gives us a little bit of time, a little bit of breathing space to then finish the other half while still being able to put something out for folks who have waited so long for this. And we're very, very appreciative for your patience. Gotcha. So we got Jackie coming back and mm-hmm. do you want to see Diane sleeping in the credits? She actually does a voiceover 
Not okay. because she's in Colorado and we couldn't come out here. We couldn't go back there. I think at the time there was she was ill in some manner and, and it just wasn't possible. So we did do a voiceover session. She shows up in what's now episode two. So the second half of part one. <laughs> so she's in there. That's the only other person from the original at the moment. There's a couple of their folks. There's one of the wives that we're looking at using in a future episode, if that ends up working out. But we oh, have wow. some, some new folks that are joining the cast. Um, and I don't have much to give away exactly. I, I've got this one guy that is absolutely hilarious. He was the only choice, really, for this one role. And he's absolutely hit it out of the park. He gets introduced in this part one. And I don't want to say too much about what he's doing. But uh, Randy Davison is just comedy gold. You will love it. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list and I didn't recognize any of the other names, but now you've got my interest. Yeah, look him up. Randy Davison, he's, yes, he had a little part in Mank. He's had some smaller parts like that in um, bigger movies and then bigger parts in smaller movies. <laughs> and he's actually, I, I use him for voiceover whenever I can because he's just so good and he's so fun to work with and he takes direction really well. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. And then are you directing the episodes? Yeah, it's going to sound scary, but this is my directorial uh, debut properly. I did a tiny amount of directing on uh, Vintage America with Ginger and then uh, Hidden Gems, which is another uh, little tiny, tiny show that my husband and I do, a little travelogue kind of thing, which, oh, which Randy edited that. That was the experience. I knew I was ready to do it. I've been on enough sets that I've learned a lot in the time since I've started basically teaching myself about 10 years ago. Actually, yeah, 10 years ago this year um, is when I first started doing uh, production on Vintage America. So I've been kind of in the biz for about 10 years. It sounds exciting. And like I said at the top of this, I want more Monos in the world. I think Monos is a fascinating film and just amazing and something I've never considered watching through the lens of an Ed Wood <laughs> Uh, approach, but now I kind of want to watch Ed Wood and the Monos back-to-back just to kind of see what that experience is like. And I would have never put those two in the same sentence, let alone a movie marathon. That's awesome. Well, and it's the same kind of energy, though, right? I mean, it's an appreciation of the little indie filmmaker who is just trying their darn hardest and may or may not know what they're doing and is just using what they have at their disposal and just has the stars in their eyes and the big vision and it's the appreciation. It's, it's a it's a love letter to all those people that we make fun of. Uh, but you know what? They completed a movie and they were just that determined. You know, hats off to them. All right. Well, where can people find more information or follow up with you regarding the Monos Chronicles? You'll find our Patreon. Uh, we do post to Facebook also. Um, those are really the two main places that, that we exist at the moment. We're expanding all of that. But again, it's pretty much just me and my husband. Uh, well, I, again, thank you for doing this so quickly, and we'll get this posted and get the, the word out. The beacon for Manos will be lit, and <laughs> hopefully get some, some light shown on your project, and hopefully see many, many, many episodes. May the flaming hand of Torgo light our way. It's horrible to release. Three macabre masterpieces. Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula, Lord High Priest of the Living Dead, begins a legend of fear 
as he claims the soul of his first victim with the mark of the vampire. Boris Karloff as the evil Fu Manchu, his passion for power twisting his brilliant mind as he revels in the horrors of human sacrifice and torture. Behind the mask of Fu Manchu. Frederick March as the futuristic experimenter, Dr. Jekyll, using chemistry to expand his mind. Delving into the taboos of the unnatural. To free the primitive. Murderer, Mr. Hyde, in the screen's first classic portrayal of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Bella Lugosi, Mask of the Vampire. Boris Karloff, The Mask of Fu Manchu. Frederick March. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Torture. Terror. Together in a triple trip to the time when terror began. Now from MGM. Three immortal horrors never seen on the little screen. supernatural powers of the evil eye claim still another victim. Its malevolent enjoyment of tantalizing torture hangs threateningly over John Saxon, Letitia Roman, and Valentina Corteza. Oh, she was always against me. She hated me. Madness. And the maddening aura that destroys reason fills their every breath with the smell of death. Have you ever seen a murder before? No, no, I've never seen anything like that. Never. Oh, stop playing games, will you, Landini? I don't know what you're trying to do, but I know that you're, you're involved in this. Perhaps Nora has seen the killer. But how do we know that he hasn't seen her? The evil eye, like relentless tides, reaches out for them. And they defiantly hold ecstasy and horror in their arms and touch lips with terror while the evil eye watches their every kiss and invades their subconscious.
Monster Kid Radio listeners, I've got a guy here on the line who is getting ready for the busy season. We are, depending on who you are, in the middle of pre-Halloween, Halloween Eve, October Eve. But as far as I'm concerned, if you live your life right, it's always October in your heart, man. And it's like this for this week's guest as well. He's taken some time out of his busy schedule to talk to us about horror hosts. And, well, he's a horror host himself. I'd like to welcome back to the show. Lord Blood Raw, how you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderfully well, my lords and ladies. I am so proud to be back on Monster Kid Radio. It's been way too long, and I love this show. And Derek, thank you for everything you do for us Monster Kids out here. Yeah, I love, I love doing this show, and I love all the conversations that I get to have with people across the country about this kind of stuff. It's one of the best things about podcasting and just the internet culture in general is that I've got friends across the world that are into this kind of thing, and you're one of them. So I'm happy to have you back on the show. You've been a fixture of podcasts for a very long time. I think we talked about this briefly when you were on the show before that mm-hmm. I first discovered you through your guest segments of the Drunken Zombie podcast. So it's been a long time, man. Yeah, yeah. I was back in the Drunken Zombie days, even before I was doing Lord Blood Draw. I was contributing uh, bits and pieces to their podcast. And then uh, Lord Blood Raw came along and I switched personas to Lord Blood Raw on that podcast. And, uh, Started doing a podcast that I just recently restarted. Yeah. Blood Draws Nerve Racking Auditorium. So that's been going for the last, the, the, the reboot, I should say, has been going for the last year or so. You know, it's about a year uh, where I host old time horror radio shows. And I love it. I love this stuff. And it's perfect, perfect listening for Halloween. I was just talking with uh, an audio producer friend of mine, Eric Busby uh, from Eric Busby Presents. And he said that, you, you know, Derek, you really should, like, host old-time radio. It's like, dude, there's people that are doing it that are far better than me, and I'm just going to have to point him in your direction because I really love that stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's available on everywhere you can get uh, podcasts and uh, on YouTube. comes out every Saturday. Uh, like I say, you know, late at night on these fall evenings, turn it on around uh, midnight, and it, it will give you some chills. There's some good stuff. I mean, Price of Fear alone, just Vincent Price. Oh, well, Vincent, how are you going to be Vincent Price? Amazing. You can't. You can't. You can't. But that's not all you're doing. You're hosting movies. You're doing the hustle, yes. the horror host, the hustle, the horror host hustle. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. I like that. I like that. I like one. it. Horror host hustle. I recently, as, as of actually uh, April, am now on the Nostalgia Network. It's a nationwide network, over 50 stations across the country, plus multiple streaming services and it's on every saturday night at nine eastern six pacific then there's an encore showing at 2 a.m eastern 11 p.m pacific and very very thankfully due to my affiliation with the nostalgia network now i'm no longer limited to public domain films Ooh, which is very nice so i'm going to be doing some hammer films some original classics as a matter of fact i'm doing a um halloween night three-hour special hosting the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein. Oh. And I cannot oh. wait. 
I cannot wait. Yeah. So that uh, on the Nostalgia Network coming up very soon. So I just looked up the Nostalgia Network. I cannot get it over the airwaves in my part of the country, but you said you can find it online? Streaming on Roku, Sling Free TV, Distro, Local BTV. If you, if you go to watchnost.com, you can find all the streaming platforms and stations where you can where you can watch the show. I will make sure there's a link in the show notes to that because I mean, the more horror host content we have, the better. And now that you're able to dip into some non-public domain material, I mean, I, I love the public domain. Don't get me wrong. I love well, that. me too. There's some fantastic films there. Yes. But to be able to expand how cool Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be doing a healthy mix of, of both throughout the show because I've got a backlog of well over 100 past episodes that are obviously all public domain. And I have fil- uh, rather hosted the non-public domain stuff, but always live. You know, I've always done that live, but to do it on the show, is just, I'm so thrilled about doing it. Like I said, I love the public domain stuff, you yes. know, but to be able to, to dip into... Dracula and Frankenstein oh. and the Hammer films and to be able to do that it's gonna be like horror host dream right there I'm still rather uh, shocked by it <laughs> to tell you the truth yeah now I know that we've talked in the past about your history as a horror host and I'll find the old episode and put a link in the show notes to that mm-hmm. but you've been a fan of this medium this do we say job or career I mean this this hobby tradition whatever tradition there we go yeah for a while now Oh, yeah. Ever since I was a kid, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, watching Bob Wilkins' Creature Features in the 70s, you know, there was just something about the really kind of gentle way he hosted these films and the way he presented these films in this kind of geek, cool fashion, you know, little little blonde guy with glasses, smoking a cigar, sitting in a rocking chair, and just very, like, bone-dry sense of humor introducing these films and giving you not only information about the films and doing jokes about the films and stuff, but also it was kind of a, a convention of the air because he would talk about the, lo- the conventions coming up locally or films coming out and things like that. The San Francisco Bay Area horror community was built watching Creature Features back in the day. Even people who were born well after, well after Bob passed away, as a matter of fact, still owe the camaraderie and the unity of the Bay Area horror community back to Creature Features back in the 70s. And you're based out of California and you're contributing to the community. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, And everybody doing anything in that community, people who put on shows and, you know, comics and whoever... Most of them grew up watching uh, Bob Wilkins and uh, reintroduced the entire genre through that show. For me, being a horror host, that's one of the best things that I like to hear is like, especially parents coming up and saying, oh, thank you for doing a family show where I can introduce my kids to these films that I grew up watching or that I love. And that's 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 a great thing because that's the way I was introduced to it was through Bob Wilkins and Creature Features. That's so cool. And I'm always jealous when I hear stories about kids growing up watching horror hosts of programs because I didn't have that. Hmm. You know, I didn't come to a horror host and then being aware of them outside of the occasional channel swiping through like Elvira, maybe doing something in my parents and my grandparents telling me to take that off the TV because it was inappropriate or whatever. So I, I didn't get a lot of that growing up. So I hear stories about kids growing up or people growing up watching this stuff and I get jealous, but then I still kind of feed off of their nostalgia a little bit. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Well, it's just there's something super nostalgic about it. And 
I love it. And I've become friends with several horror hosts over the years and I've watched hundreds of hours of horror hosts and programming. The horror hosts that I had never heard of that have become some of my favorites just by searching horror hosts and finding clips of their shows. It's fantastic that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're now in an age, again, thanks to the internet, we can watch horror-hosted programming from all across the country and around the world even. You know, there's horror hosts out in Australia that I used to watch, you know, that sort of thing. So to be able to to watch this programming that was originally intended to just be kind of like local air filler. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's how it all started was uh, local independent stations back in 57 uh, when uh, the Shock Theater movie package came out. You know, they would pull uh, either the weatherman or the some guy out of the mailroom or something like that, put him in a costume and say, okay, be creepy and uh, introduce these films. You know, that's really, well, okay. That's the common kind of thing. People say, well, that's where it started. Okay. Uh, let me ask you, you're, okay. you're an expert on horror. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I would say, who was the very first horror host? So the popular answer is going to be Vampira, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the popular answer. But I have a feeling that because you posed this question to me, you're about to drop some knowledge to your Lord Blood Rose. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vampira was the very first television horror host. Mm. Absolutely. But the tradition goes back to 1931 to radio. Okay. Now, the very first horror host was Nancy, the old witch of Salem from The Witch's Tale. And that started in 1931. It was an anthology, old horror radio series, told some stories that were based on classic tales, mostly original stuff. And old Nancy, with her black cat Satan, was the very <laughs> first host. And she would she welcome you into her hovel, and uh, she would always start out uh, mentioning her birthday. 103 years old I'd be today, 103. Well, Satan, let's tell him one of our pretty tales and that kind of thing. Great host, wonderful host. And she, she was the very first, in any broadcast medium, the very first horror host. Now, it's interesting that the very first radio horror host and horror host ever was a woman and Vampira, 1954. Started okay. the television tradition of horror hosts. I find, find that very interesting. Until you said something, it just didn't even occur to me. Is the old Nancy stuff available anywhere? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you go to, like, archive.org, they okay. they've got a pretty, pretty extensive library of them. You can find them on YouTube as well. Um, it's all, obviously, public domain stuff, so you can listen to it. And there are varying degrees of quality. Some are, sadly, so staticky you can't even hear what's going on. But there are a few out there that are pretty good quality. Okay. You can uh, you can really really enjoy the really enjoy the episodes. And in just a few minutes, Lord Bloodrod just uh, added hundreds of hours of content that I am going to have to get through now because it oh. sounds fascinating, and I can't well, wait to listen to it. Yeah, check her out. But she really kind of opened up the floodgates for horror hosts and radio. After her, there was the Hermit of the Hermit's Cave. There was the Mysterious Traveler, the Whistler, Inner Sanctum Mysteries, which came a little later was kind of important in horror host history because that was the first uh, host, Raymond. He, mm -hmm. he started out being called Ray Raymond and then later just the host. He was the first horror host to be funny. All the other ones were just straight, you know, creepy characters and mysterious characters that were out to kind of chill you. Raymond made jokes 
Raymond was funny to tell jokes about a vampire couple that uh, argued over uh, what was the appropriate age to tell their son about the facts of death. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just various, you know, just, just being that kind of gallows humor that now is, you know, the bread and butter of horror hosts. Hmm. So that was, yeah, Raymond was the first funny horror host. I've listened to a lot of old time radio, OTR, you know, and I've played some on the Monster Kid radio mm -hmm. uh, Twitch stream a few times over the years as well. And, you know, you've got your show and there's been other podcasters and streamers and content creators that have presented it as well. Mm -hmm. But I still haven't listened to nearly as much as I've watched horror movies and, and watched oh, horror television. There's just so much of it out there. Uh, but I, I can see the link, though. I can see the, the link between, like, the, the narrator or the host of an OTR show looking at the horror host tradition kind of starting from that. I mean, oh yeah, you could probably say it goes even further back with just storytelling in general, but having that format. Oh yes. Being born there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Having, um, a touchstone character that launches you into these, into these shows every week, uh, that, yeah, that really started with, that really started with, um, the radio horror hosts. And then in the fifties, the comic book, horror hosts from EC, you know, the Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. Bill Gaines, who's, who ran EC, said those were all based on the Witch's Tale and the Hermit's Cave and and that. So the radio led to comic books, which led to television. So that so that that's where the you know that's the line of the tradition really. The the comics I've read a few over the years as well. And, uh -huh. you know, I, I haven't talked about this on the show lately. I'm going to mention it now because maybe I've got some new listeners or maybe somebody's remembering something differently now. I remember when I was growing up, I read a comic that was a reprint of one of these Vault of Horror Tales from the Crypt. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember there were three stories in it and each story was introduced by somebody different, a different character. And one of the stories has stuck with me to this very day. Uh, 40 plus years later. And I, I wish I could remember what it was because I'd love oh. to go back and find it again. Okay. It's two guys and their respective girlfriends walking around the neighborhood the two guys grew up in, their best friends, or maybe their brothers. And they see the old haunted house at the end of the street that they never went up to as a kid because it was the old haunted house. Nobody wanted to go there. There's a creepy person that lived there or whatever. They just always avoided it. It's the one all the kids threw rocks at or whatever, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they're telling the girls they're with about the time when they were kids that one of them threw a baseball or hit a baseball through a window, uh -huh. but they were too scared to go up to the door to knock on the door to get the ball back. Well, now that they're grown up, they're like, well, let's go talk to them. Let's go apologize or make amends or just see if there's anybody still living there. Nobody answers the door, but the door does let them in. They do go inside. Uh -huh. And as grownups, they wander around the house and see that it hasn't been touched in years. And they finally find the room that has the window that they broke the ball through. And they find a skeleton sitting at a table, like having eaten, like in the middle of eating breakfast, and a baseball sitting on the table in a hole in the skeleton's skull, where they realize that they killed this guy when they were kids when they threw the baseball through the window. And I wish I could remember what story that was, because oh, I would love oh. to go find it again and read it and see if it holds up to my memory. Probably not. But I would love to go back and reread it again. That's great. Somebody out there has to know. I hope somebody so. listening hope so. has to know because that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the other stories. I mean, there was, I vaguely remember one being about a merry go round and grabbing the brass ring and a ghost of a grandfather, maybe, but 
Yeah, the one with the skeleton is the one that always has stuck with me. Now, that one, when you mentioned the, the merry-go-round with the brass ring, that triggered a memory of a, a cover of either Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror or whatever, where it's somebody riding a merry-go-round. I think it's a kid riding a merry-go-round, and there's a severed hand dangling from oh. where you get the ring from. I, I could totally have dreamt that up. I don't know. But that it triggered a memory. Um, hmm. Again, out there, if you... <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you have any ideas, I'd love to know. If I'm, if I'm right or if I'm hallucinating, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think I'd be talking about that today, but, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the best thing about talking to fellow Monster Kids and fans, though. And, and oh. as we were talking about earlier before I hit record, you know, we get to talking about this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, just there's talking. All but yeah, to try to kind of get back back to what we were talking about with the horror host tradition, how long have you been doing yours? I started in 2009 doing live shows. Okay. I did live shows for like two, three years. I totally fell into horror hosting backwards. The opportunity came up to do live shows, and I, I took the opportunity and did it. I got, the opportunity came up to do a TV show, and I said yes to it before even owning a camera. I said, well, yes, I want to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stumbled my way into that, and uh, from there I got two or three regular commercial TV shows back east, plus plus a whole bunch of public access stations. Now I still have those public access stations, but I'm on the Nostalgia Network. Um, I say this very often, but if you know, back in 2007, if you'd have told me I was going to be a horror host, I'd have said you're out of your mind. No, really? No way. Yeah, I mean, it was never an ambition of mine to do it. I always had the love of horror and science fiction films and the love of the, of the tradition of, and of horror hosts and things like that, but never dreamt of doing it myself. Never. Oh. I mean, this is anybody who knows me, this is an old story, but friends of ours owned a winery, uh, out here in California in Castro Valley. And, um, they wanted to show plan nine from outer space. And I said, wonderful. Yeah, you got to do it, but you need a host. So we got a hold of a local host and the show came off, but it didn't quite, there were some promises made that didn't happen and yada, yada. And the next day he came over and said, well, I want to do that every year, but do you know any other hosts? And I said, no, I don't. And my wife turned to me and said, well, why don't you do it? And the next year I did it, <laughs> you know, and fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love, fell in love with doing it. And then the show added a whole new, the TV show, added a whole new aspect of it where I'm not, not only sharing these films with an audience right in front of me, but I'm sharing these films with an audience that's just out there and just, uh, through feedback that I've, I've gotten messages who are enjoying it and either discovering the films or rediscovering the films. And that's the thing I love about it is sharing these films with the people who love them like I do. You know, good the the good, bad, or indifferent films, like you say, the classic or not so classic. People love them, and I and I love sharing. That's always been a focus of mine on the podcast. Is you know, with rare exception, I try real hard to keep things pretty light and positive because every movie's somebody's favorite, right? Yes, yes. You know, I always try to respect the film. <laughs> I gotta say, some films it's hard. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I yeah. believe I've done everything in the Larry Buchanan au revoir. Uh, <laughs> but Larry, 
the more you watch Larry Buchanan films, there is a feeling you get from a Larry Buchanan film. You know, like Zontar the Thing from being as Curse of the Swamp Creature, that kind of thing. Really low, low budget stuff. Mm -hmm. Remakes of the old AIP science fiction classics. Uh, that you you come to like enjoy after a while, and then when you realize when you read about Larry Buchanan, he knew he was making schlock. He knew it. He was proud of the fact that he was like, "Yeah, I'm you know I'm turning these over for a quick dime, and that's that's what I do." You know, so it makes it even more kind of enjoyable when you look at them that way. Exactly. Yeah, but so, I always try to respect the films. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. When you started doing Lord Blood Raw, which it blows my mind that you just kind of fell into it because you, you're such a natural at it. <laughs> You've got such a presence and the voice alone. I mean, you you got it down, man. I well, I would have thought that you would wanting to do it for years. I'm just, it just yeah. sounds amazing. So oh, thank you. Thank but you. when you started getting into the horror host, what horror host, classic horror host, did you look at for inspiration? Obviously Bob Wilkins a little bit, but are there others of that era or around that time that struck a chord with you historically bob of course in the sense that i love a horror host that just looks down the barrel of the camera and talks directly to the audience mm -hmm. and gives the impression that we're watching this movie together you know and as the movie goes goes along points out things that either happened or will be coming up or facts about the film or jokes about the film so i knew that i wanted to do that because that felt the most natural to me that's what a horror host does as far as personalities i never based the personality of lord blood raw on anybody i've always loved zachary because zachary had that um kind of otherworldly you know is is this guy actually from transylvania or is he out of his mind you know <laughs> he, he would end each season with being taken back to bellevue Right. right. <laughs> so is is he just an escaped lunatic or is he actually, you know, did he actually study at the University of Transylvania? You know, that kind of thing. The, well, the look of Lord Blood Raw just came to me like kind of wholesale. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I knew I wanted the long coat, the top hat, the vest. I knew I wanted that look. As Lord Blood Raw's evolved over time, it's essentially me with no inhibitions about how big a geek I am. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, I think I've said it before, but Lord Blood Raw will be happy when uh, the Super Bowl is held in a little freeway side hotel and comic book conventions are held in major stadiums and televised. That's, Heck yeah. <laughs> that's the world Lord Blood Raw wants to see. There you go. It's just me, my geekiness with an exponent, I guess <laughs> is what it is. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but um, Lord came from one of my favorite entertainers, Lord Buckley. Okay. He was a performer who would take old bits of classic literature or, or quotations from the Bible and put them into jazz language, like the language of the hip. Hipsters, flipsters, finger popping daddies, knock me your lobes is, you know, uh, the oration from uh, Caesar or something like that. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, so I wanted to do originally something like that. So I took the name Lord because everybody, everything else was taken, professor, professor, doctor, whatever. So I picked Lord, but I wanted to, I wanted to have a voice. I wanted to do a voice like this. Oh, my lords and ladies, Lord Blood Draw here, and I've got some spooky movies for you and that kind of thing. 
And before my first show, driving there, I was practicing the voice. And oh, man, hellos and ladies. Oh, I got a wonderful movie for you tonight. And, da, 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 da. and I was practicing the voice, practicing the voice. And I got up on stage and the voice went away within two seconds. <laughs> it just left me. Left me because I realized as soon as I stepped on the stage, that's not me. And it's not going to work. And the audience is going to know if I'm maintaining a, a fake character. They want you, right? You got to, you want to be honest with the audience. Mm-hmm. So that went away. And then Lord Blood Draw just kind of fell into place, I guess. I get the sense that, and I've talked about this before, I'm pretty open about it. I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the more uh, successful and popular professional wrestlers will talk about how the characters that they're portraying are just them turned up to 11. And I get the sense that a lot of my favorite horror hosts, you and a handful of others, it's just you, just the volume turned way up. <laughs> that That's certainly true for me. Now, that's interesting about wrestlers. I, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely true for me. And I hope that my personal love of these films comes through Lord Blood Raw, because that's all he's about, is mm-hmm. loving these films and enjoying these films. Sure. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I guess it is just uh, me with an exponent. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about Vampire briefly. Uh, she yes. was the first televised horror host, but she only had a pretty short run. Yeah, one year. One and year, but she made that, that kind of right, to have that kind of impact. I know. I know. She made such a huge splash in that year. I mean, uh, Time Magazine, I believe Look Magazine as well. Well, it was the time. It was 1954. So I think that just that combination of darkness and sexuality, just, I don't think anybody had ever seen anything like that before. You know, I mean, because Vampire Rove is loosely based on uh, what the character that later became Morticia Adams. From the Adam from the Adams cartoons, but no one had ever seen that in person, you know, especially on TV. You know, Myla Nermy in that makeup and in that costume, just phenomenal. But yeah, that re- it only lasted a year, and she beat the big influx of horror hosts with Shock Theater by three years by the years. She was 1954. Shock Theater was 1957, so she beat it by a few years. Yeah, which which is um, interesting. They really, I mean, uh, KABC TV LA really took a risk when they did that. When they when they put her on the air, as a matter of fact, they got some complaints. People were saying, "What is she? Why is she? She's too dark. What is this? That's too creepy." As a matter of fact, there's a great documentary on her, Vampire and Me, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. and the station because of Vampire's success put another character on whose name was escaping me that was basically the sexier version of Vampira. She was hosting romantic films in the afternoon. And she was in this white bedroom <laughs> wearing a lace nighty in bed introducing these films. <laughs> they knew they had something with the TV host mm-hmm. with Vampira, but that other show didn't last long. But uh, yeah, Vampira, for the impact that she had, lasted only one year. You'd think she would; she'd lasted years with her, uh, with how influential she is. A lot of talk about her. When you think about horror hosts, you can't help but think about her. Right. And she only lasted a year, and there's so little material available to watch. 
Yeah, it I think there's preserved. Right, there's barely one episode's worth of bits from her, which is really sad. But then again, that's what TV was back then. You know, if it was a live show, nothing was recorded, or if they recorded it, recording tape was so expensive that they re-recorded it. I don't even know if there was videotape in 1954. Was it? Because I think all the things that that survived of Vampira are kinescopes. Some listener will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's sad that, you know, when you think about the amount of television history we've lost through either they didn't have the technology to record it or they recorded it and thought, ah, who's going to want to, you know, they saw it. It was broadcast. It's done. Yeah. No one's going to watch this in the future. Brian? Oh, man. If they had only known. If they'd only known. And cared. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd be eating that up right now. You know, I. If there was a way to go back and save some of this lost media, my horror host collection would grow so much. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real shame, yeah. You, know, you mentioned Zachary, who also had a huge impact and a huge part of horror host history. I mean, he started as Roland, or Roland, and then right. Zachary shortly after that. Right. Was there a gap between Vampire and Zachary? What was the, the middle of that? Well, yeah, Vampire was 1954, and Zachary started in 1957. Okay. In Philadelphia. Yeah, John Zachary, you know, started as Roland, as you said, mm-hmm. but John Zachary was his name. And he was uh, an actor in Philadelphia who, back in the glory days of, of little independent local television, uh, was on a Western show that this little station produced. Uh, and he played an undertaker and it was just like a one shot character. He played an undertaker. And when shock theater was released, somebody at the station said, Hey, remember that guy who played that undertaker? He was pretty good. Let's put him out in front, you know, in that same costume out in front of a camera. And, and he uh, talked, oh, talk about, talk about a voice. First of all, talk mm-hmm. about a voice. Zachary was, oh man, incredible voice. Great singer. He doesn't get enough credit for his singing. He released a bunch of albums of, of uh, spooky novelty songs, but was a genuinely, genuinely good singer. You know, he was great and was around for a long time, off and on different stations, moved from Philadelphia to New York, worked in radio as Zachary hosted uh, a teenage dance show called Disco Teen for a while. As Zachary, it's, look him up on YouTube, Zachary Disco Teen. It's the weirdest thing because it's like, you know, American Bandstand hosted by a horror host. The the set isn't overtly decorated or anything like that. I think there's one where where there's a Halloween episode. So people are in costume and stuff like that. But it's just the wildest thing. It's like, why why is Zachary hosting this dance show? (laughs) And of course, the answer is a paycheck, right? Yeah. (laughs) Brother's got to eat, you know. Brother's got to eat. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Another thing that really broke him wide nationwide was his appearance on the cover of uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland. Mm. You know, that had kind of introduced him to a national audience. And then I can remember when I was a kid, before I even really knew what a horror host was, seeing him on the Mike Douglas show, <laughs> dissecting that amoeba, man, you know, and pulling bones and stuff out of this jello, you know. <laughs> I was like, who is that guy? He's great. <laughs> My first experience with him was a uh, VHS tape that my 
little brother got me one year. Uh, it's just him hosting a whole bunch of movie trailers. Horrible horror. Yep. Well, yeah, that was it. Yep. Yeah, I watched that tape over and over and over again. My brother had no idea what it was. It was just like real cheap, in, you know, like, okay, happy birthday, big brother. Here you go. It was a cheap VHS. Little did he know how much I loved it. Oh. And uh, I just watched it over and over and over again. I picked it up on DVD years later when it was released that way. Yeah. Just because I think I wore the VHS tape out because it was not high quality. So. Right. Four ninety nine good times label, you know that's what it's in. <laughs> yeah, um, so that was my first experience with Zachary, and of course, I'm trying to go back to try to find Zachary footage online and mm-hmm. um, the Aurora Models documentary that he hosts and all the other great stuff that he's done over the he did over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Zachary archives, which has, uh, I, I I don't know if it's all of the existing footage from his show. Or what? But it's it's a good deal of, of footage of intros and bits that he did from his shows, both in Philadelphia and New York. Mm-hmm. That's well worth getting. I mean, you know, you can buy it, or I'm sure it's on YouTube. You can find it streaming somewhere. I know Horrible Horror is on Tubi. Oh, okay. And it's one of my go tos if I'm doing something around the house, or I'll just put it on and you know let it run in the background. It's about two and a half, three hours. Yeah, that, uh, the deluxe version, you know. So it's just a great. Background at a Halloween party. It's perfect. Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I um, I played it many times and just yep. putting it on and then doing other things around the house or whatever, doing homework or doesn't matter. Just, you know, I got, I got the, these, the soothing sounds of horror hosts kind of keeps right. me up, you know? That's right. The dul- dulcet tones of Zachary. Yeah. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So we got Vampire, we got Zachary, some yep. big heavy hitters. Who are some of the other big horror hosts that you think really kind of impacted the the tradition well i mean elvira of course who was going to be vampira okay she was uh hired to be the new vampira and myla nermy was a part of that production but before the show went on air the station wanted Myla Nermi, Vampira, to sign over the rights to the character. She said, no, I will not, I will not do it. So she left and the producer said, let's call her Elvira (laughs) and do the show. Now, years later, Myla Nermi, she sued Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, kept suing her and it was like, no, she's not, she was an actress hired for a job. You know, she was, uh, according to Dana Gould, the stand-up comic who was a good friend of hers until she died. Myla Nerman was always very bitter about that, that, which is understandable, but you think her bitterness would be towards the producers of the show rather than against Cassandra Peterson, who, like I say, was an actress hired for a role. And her popularity, her show was very good. I remember seeing it in L.A. a couple of times, but her real popularity came from being a spokesperson Mm -hmm. you know those halloween ads for everything candy beer da 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 da, you know anything especially around halloween time really kind of cemented her popularity plus i mean let's face it the woman is just gorgeous and her personality was just so exuberant and you know just wonderful she's still wonderful she doesn't do elvira anymore but she's Still great. She's doing the convention circuits. Yeah, I, I just saw her. Oh, uh, great. Not too long ago, 
uh, a film festival showed Elvira's Haunted Hills. All right. And the director, Sam Irvin, came out to introduce it. And I know Sam's are like Monster Bash and all that. Oh. And Sam brought Cassandra Peterson as his date. Oh, nice. So she wasn't in character. She wasn't right. doing the Elvira thing. She just got up on stage, said a few words. We all applauded her. And then she took her seat, which happened to be two seats behind Beth and I. So that wasn't nerve-wracking at all. I'd seen the movie before, so I knew what I was in for. But yeah, having the director and Elvira herself sitting right behind us while we're watching Elvira's Haunted Hills was was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. She, she, you know, weathered the storm of fans afterwards and very gracious and, and polite and wonderful and warm and very cool. Yeah, I met her. I met her once and she was just delightful. Just so nice. Yes. Really. Yeah. And yeah, you know, she definitely is an icon and a big part, oh, of, yeah. a huge part of, of horror host history for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, if oh, you yeah. read her autobiography listeners, I highly recommend it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 And another host that I would say was extremely influential, especially the direction that horror hosts have gone today is Count Gordeval. Dick Dizel is the person who is Gordeval. Actually, Dick Dizel himself is an it was an amazing or is an amazing television personality there's a documentary out there called every other day is halloween see it because it's a great not only you know a great documentary on him and how, influ how influential he was in local television in washington dc but also just a time capsule of what television was like back then you know he was on uh 1973 i think into the 80s but it was not only Count Gordeval, he was uh, Bozo. Bozo was franchised across the country. So there were every little, every state, every community had their own Bozo the Clown, you know, who had to have the same makeup and adhere to the same rules, da, da, da. So he was the local Bozo, and then he did a show called Captain 20, where he hosted cartoons in the afternoon. So he was very busy there for quite some time, but he was Count Gordeval, Vampire character, uh, very racy at times. A, there was a lot of uh, sexual innuendo and more than sexual innuendo on his, on his shows. Very interesting, very kind of adult horror host. The show left the air in 87, I believe. And um, as he says it, around the 1990s, he was one of the early adopters of the internet. And he was thinking, well, what, you know, what are people saying about Gordeval? So he looked it up and everything was Gordeval was ex-horror host. And he was like, well, I'm not ex-anything. What am I going to do about this? So he was the very first horror host to do a weekly show on the internet. He was the first one to realize that the internet is now the new local television. It's the new independent television. And he's been going strong ever since, since 1998. You can still, you can still find him online. Count Gord of all. Countgord.com. Again, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Yes. For that. yes so. Countgord.com. And he, I've met him uh, at a convention some years ago. Great guy. Very supportive. Wonderfully supportive. I shook his hand and thanked him for leading the charge to the internet. Because, I mean, today, that's where you're going to find a good over 95% of horror hosts is online. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to find them. Some horror hosts are lucky enough to be on commercial TV, local TV, uh, things like that. But the majority are going to be online streaming 
what have you. And Gord Duvall was the first one to see that potential. And he was the fir- first one to go there and, and show everybody that it was possible. And now you've got entire streaming stations. You've got the, the Monster Channel. You've got the Vortex, Other Worlds TV, all of these different stations that are primarily horror host content out there. And I think that all traces back to uh, Dick Dizel and Gord Duvall. The Every Other Day's Halloween uh, DVD is highly recommended. Yes. Uh, it, and even even though it's a historical documentary looking at the history of what Count Gordeval was doing, that documentary came out in 2009. So it's also an interesting snapshot of what horror hosting was like 13, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's even grown since then. So you see some people that were relatively prolific at that point, like Penny Dreadful's on that documentary. I mentioned yes. on that. And she's a dear friend of the show. I love Penny Dreadful. Yeah. And Danielle's fantastic, right? Um, and as I have said a couple of times, I've become pretty good friends with a number of horror hosts over the years here on the show. Mm-hmm. I include you in that list, but, you know, of course, there's you, there's Penny Dreadful, Dr. Gain Green, mm-hmm. Dr. Bob Tesla, a lot of these folks. I just really love what they do, and they all have their different take on it. But, again, without the historical work being done by people like Count Gore or Elvira or Zachary. And we wouldn't have any of it. So I think it's really fun to kind of look at the history and those who came before. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a tradition. It it is a tradition that has been uh, unique actually to American television. I believe there are, I mean, now across, across the world, there are horrors, but really started on, on in American television. And goes to this day, there's just something about it that, well, look, it's always better to watch a movie with a friend. Sure. Right? Especially a horror film. It's always better for the reactions and uh, just the enjoyment of it to watch it with a friend. And that's always the feeling that I go after with my show is, again, we're watching it together. This is our regular Saturday night thing. We're going to get together. I know more about this film than you do, so let me explain a few things that I'm going to joke here and there and, you know, about the film. And there, there's something about that formula of having somebody tell you a story. Like you said, it goes back to storytelling that just works. Mm-hmm. Really, it just, it, it, it just works as a television tradition. We, we've mentioned some of the big ones. Yeah. Who else do you think we need to mention? If we're looking at, like, the history of horrors, who else needs to be mentioned in the conversation? Well, I think finally Sven Gulli. Sven Gulli, a rich cause. The, the original character Sven Gulli started in 1970, went to 1973, was portrayed by Jerry Bishop. Rich Cause was a um, an intern on that show. Later asked, hey, can I do the show as son of Sven Gulli? He said yes. Then later he just became Sven Gulli. Then in 2011 was picked up by MeTV. That's the big turning point. He's one of the first horror hosts to be nationally syndicated. MeTV is on in over 99% of the television markets in the country. So people yeah. know, anybody who enjoys horror or likes nostalgia programming, or feel like that, knows who Sven Gulli is. Before that, when I started 2009, I would say, oh, I'm a horror host. And a lot of people would say, oh, what, you do plays? What, you're, you're, you're a magician? What do you do? And locally, I could say, well, you know, like Creature Features, Bob Wilkins, oh, okay. But now it's like Spengoli. People instantly know. He's America's horror host right now. And has been doing it for over over 40 years. I think over 45 years now. 
And he's a great guy. I've chatted with him a couple of times online. Again, very supportive. Loves, again, loves what he's doing because he started out as a, as a fan. He started out as a fan of Jerry Bishop's and became involved in the show. And he's a fan of horror and science fiction. He's, he's a big geek. And you can tell he's a big geek from watching the show because you can see that he really loves what he's doing. He's, he's on the, he's on the top of the top of the pile right now, you know, and well, and deservedly so gets some people criticize him for being sticky or something like that, or kind of old vaudeville. I love it. I love that kind of corny stuff that he does. It just, it works. It works for him and he's funny and he does it well. And he's talented. He's a talented performer. Great, incredible with voices. Mm -hmm. Wonderful with voices. Deserves everything he has right now. Great guy. Yeah, I, I've never interacted with him. He's somebody that's on my list that I would love to just chat with at some point. Not necessarily for the podcast, although that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. Just to, to chat with and, and interact with, because I, I do love what he does. I haven't watched a lot of Svengooly as of late. Mm -hmm. I keep waiting to maybe have a free weekend or whatever to sit down and introduce Beth to uh, Spengooly. Oh. I don't think she's watched any Spengooly herself. We do get me TV in this house, so I, I know I can I can do that uh, at some point. And I love that his catalog has opened up as well. I know for a long time he was kind of stuck to the same package, but as yep. time has gone on, me TV's made certain acquisitions in terms of video libraries and all that and what they're able to show, and he's been able to, to branch out, which has been great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's got, you know, like I say, over 40 years of material to draw on because apparently he's kept everything. That's <laughs> all he's got stuff. He's got stuff from 20 years ago that he'll, he'll put the bits in the shows and mm -hmm. those, those are really fun. Those are fun to see. Yeah. So uh, time capsules, right? Like time capsules. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Um, Sven Gulli has done more, I think to popularize horror hosts right now than I think anybody than anybody else has. People know Sven Gulli, know who he is across the country. And of course, I'm sure that everybody in the audience is screaming the name of their favorite horror host. Yeah, what uh -huh. about Gulardi? What about Savad? What about Sir Graves Gasly? Yes, Big Chuck and Little John. And Big Chuck and Little John. Mr. Yeah. all these other... Mr. Know, Lobo, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're They're all out there and they're doing it and they're all like me we're all out there keeping the tradition alive doing our our own things with fan bases that thankfully cross over it's rare but i will occasionally run into a horror host that looks at it as a competition and i think those days are those days are over you know if we were in the same town on competing tv stations in the same in the same time slot then yeah, but now with the internet, with streaming and everything, there's room for everybody. And people who watch my show will watch Lobo, will watch Spenguli. People who watch uh, Dr. Gangrene will watch Penny Dreadful and everybody else. And there's a kind of pool of horror host fans that do have their own favorites, but will explore other, other hosts out there. So it's, we're in another golden age of horror hosts. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, uh, due to the internet and uh, the stream, streaming entertainment. I think there's a lot out there, and it's it's the same thing that I tell people when they ask me about getting into podcasting and, and that sort of thing. So there's so many podcasts out there, right? There's no reason for us podcasters to be competing with each other. The way I've no. looked at it is 
there's always room for one more good one. Yes. You know, Absolutely. rising tide, raising all ships, the whole nine yards, all Absolutely. of it. And yeah, sometimes you see in, in every group, you see some drama kind of pop up here and there. But in the end, we all just love what we're doing. Right. That's what it should be about. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. If you love what you're doing more than you look at it as an ego gratification, <laughs> you know, if, right. then yeah, you're not, then you're not going to feel that way. You're not going to feel that way because you're enjoying what the other guys are doing too. You know, you're enjoying everything else that's going on in the genre as well. So, and learning from it. And learning from it. Every podcast that I listen to, I pick up something. Even if it's stuff outside of my quote-unquote genre, I'm going to pick up on it. And I can't help but imagine that other creatives, whether they're writers, performers, singers, actors, filmmakers, horror hosts, are picking up things, even just subconsciously, from watching other materials. Oh, yeah. I'll watch another horror host do, like, you know, well, because most horror hosts do draw from the public domain pool, Mm -hmm. and there's only so many of those. So I'll watch another horror host host a film that I've hosted and I'll think, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that that joke or that bit? Or why didn't I why didn't I notice that? You know, wow, okay, that good good call, good catch, you know. Yeah, yeah there's 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 room for everybody out there. And again, all comes back to uh, a love of the genre. If you're loving it, you're having a good time, it's gonna show on what you're doing, no matter what you're doing. Well, if people want to watch you having fun, I'm gonna send them to your website, lordbloodraw.com. <laughs> Yes. And uh, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes there as well. There's talk about the Nostalgia Network and any appearances or anything coming up you want to let people know about. In the San Francisco Bay Area, I do a monthly show at the Arenda Theater in Arenda, California called Chiller Diller Theater. Okay. And we host classic old horror and sci-fi films. It's every third Saturday night of the month at 830. And coming up, we've got uh, the Ray Harryhausen classic, It Came From Beneath the Sea, for for September. And then in October, for our Halloween party, we're doing um, William Castle's 13 Ghosts. Oh, dude, I I just pulled up your schedule, and I'm looking at that now. Ah. If I could be anywhere that night, that's where I would go. That would be so cool. It's fun stuff. Like I say, it's always uh, horror and sci-fi classics every third Saturday night of the month. We get a great audience. The the theater is great. It's an old-time uh, movie palace, full bar, food. It's very fun. It's a very, very fun time. And then, uh, let's see, October 28th, I'm going to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, doing a Halloween show out there at the Cinema Center, and I'm going to be hosting uh, House of Frankenstein. Oh, man. And again, it's going to be food, drink, stuff like that, and then I'm hosting House of Frankenstein along with um, selected Halloween kind of short subjects before that. Oh, and in free back to California in Fremont, California, October 7th, I'm doing a free show at the Fremont main library. And again, it's going to be, it's October 7th to Saturday, one o'clock in the afternoon doors will open at noon. I'm showing the giant Gila monster in 3d. I converted it to three to old fashioned red blue 3D. All right, so it's, it's awesome. It's fun. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a fun film. The show every Saturday night on the Nostalgia Network. The podcast comes out every Saturday. Oh, my newest show. I just newest. It's been around for a little bit now. I, I have a show on my YouTube channel called Captain Paxar's Star Cadet Hour, <laughs> and what that is is 
it's a show that hosts old 1950s children's sci-fi shows like uh space patrol tom corbett space cadets uh rocky jones space ranger captain zero that kind of thing flash gordon and that comes out every saturday at 9 a.m on the youtube channel and that's been going for a while now i don't know how many more i'm going to be able to do because it's getting harder and harder to find episodes yeah of what exists that's watchable you know that isn't like a kinescope of a kinescope of a kinescope yeah yeah but uh for now yeah that's on my youtube channel so check out the youtube channel there's a lot of fun stuff on there that i do and uh yeah lordbloodraw.com for any live appearances or anything else i got going on well link in the show notes of course i want people to be able to check this out and i've got friends out in fort wayne so i'm gonna give them a heads up that uh, lord blood ross coming Oh, please do. Please do. And that same day, the 28th, I'm doing a meet and greet at uh, Stoner's Fun Store okay. as well. So I'll be there noon to 3 p.m. signing autographs and selling merchandise and, and meeting fans. Doing that horror host hustle, man. Doing the horror host hustle. You got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank willow for taking the time out of her day to quickly arrange a time to get together and skype it up and talk here on monster kid radio about the models chronicles there will be links in the show notes to the patreon campaign for the models chronicles please consider checking them out if nothing else maybe help boost the signal let people know about what's going on with the models chronicles and big thanks to lord blood raw who had all the time in the world well maybe not all the time in the world but he was supposed to be on the show last week and I had internet issues. So, you know, he was in a holding pattern and was willing to work with me to appear on the show this week. So big thanks to him for making that happen. Now, I said at the top of the show that there are some really good documentaries about the history of horror hosting. And I'm going to include some links in the show notes, Amazon affiliate links in particular, to things like Every Other Day is Halloween and like the Elvira autobiography that I mentioned, as well as a book about John Zacherly. But I also am going to encourage you to go to Amazon or Tubi or some of these other sites where you can legally watch some of these movies and look for other horror host documentaries. I'd recommend a movie called American Scary that came out in 2006. There's also a movie called Virginia Creepers that I'd recommend as well. These are both really, really good. Of course, if you go to YouTube and look up horror host, you're going to find all sorts of material out there. There's an interesting compilation out there that came out in 2004 called Monsterama, a tribute to horror hosts. And like I said, it's like a compilation uh, mixtape almost of horror host material. There is a video on YouTube called The Golden Age of Horror Hosts, Volume 1, which implies there's a Volume 2, and so on. Again, it's a mixtape, a compilation of different horror host programming from across the country. So I'd recommend that as well. And I would love to hear about your favorite horror hosts, your horror host memories, did you have a horror host growing up? Uh, do you have a horror host you like a lot right now? Please email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com and tell me all about it. I'd love to share it with the listeners here on the show. You can also call and leave me a voicemail by calling 
360-524-2484. And hey, if you're a horror host and you want to come on the show and talk about what you do, I have an open platform, man. I love horror hosts and I would love to talk to more horror hosts here on the show. So reach out to me, get a hold of me, and uh, we can get you on the show. We can talk about doing the horror host thing. We can talk about what you do or just talk about your favorite horror host. Or we can talk about the movie we're going to be talking about next week here on the show. Somebody else who's been in a holding pattern while I deal with my technical issues is a guy by the name of Scott Glancy. Now, Scott has never been on the show by himself. You may have heard him in the past from various panel recordings from things like the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon, but he's never done an actual guest spot on the show where we sit down and talk about a topic or a movie. Well, last year at the Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon, I only went for one day and I moderated a panel about Lovecraft's favorite films. It was a fun conversation, and I believe I even included it here in the feed as an episode of MKR. Well, at that point, I made a promise to Scott that I was going to have him on the show proper, and it's finally happening. Next week, he and I are going to sit down to talk about a movie from 1932 called The Mask of Fu Manchu starring Boris Karloff. Is this a traditional horror movie? Not really, but it's Karloff. It's the 30s, and it's my show, so I think it fits because I want to talk about it anyway. And Scott's got some viewpoints about the film that he wants to share. It's just going to be a fun conversation, and actually to sit down and talk to Scott, that's going to be great. I've been wanting to do that for a very, very long time. Scott is a role-playing game designer, writer, and publisher. He's done a number of other things as well. Like I said, I know him through the Lovecraft Film Festival crowd. So to get him on the show, man, that's going to be cool. So that's coming up next week here on the show. Not sure what's happening after that, but I have made some decisions about the rest of the year. I'm going to go ahead and let you know what they are now so that y'all can help hold me to it. November. I know it's a couple of months off, but in November, we are going to get our vampire on. We're going to have Nosferatu November. We're going to talk about nothing but vampire films in the month of November, and then in December, Dino-cember. We're going to do dinosaur movies, and I've already reached out to a couple of people and talked with them about having them come onto the show to talk about some dinosaur films, so that's going to be a lot of fun, too. As far as the rest of this month and October goes, well, as you know, Beth is super involved with Scaregrounds PDX, which is one of the biggest haunts, I think the largest haunt, in the Portland, Oregon area. I mean, they got three attractions plus two mini attractions taking over Oaks Park for the entire month, well, every weekend of the month of October, and then a little bit into November as well. So she's busy, which means I'm also busy, because I also work at Scary Grounds. Plus, you know, we're a couple, so when she's busy, I'm, you know how it works. October's going to be busy, but I'm trying to make sure that I have enough content to keep us going. Don't know if we're going to do a themed month in the month of October, although I have a few ideas, so stay tuned for that as well, and of course, stay tuned to find out what's happening the rest of this month. And the best place to do that, check out that segue, is our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you're going to find links to everything you heard about here on the show, including the Patreon campaign for the Models Chronicles, Ward Bloodraw's website, the Amazon affiliates that I mentioned earlier, our contact information, everything you need to know about MKR, it's right there, up to and including links on our various social media platforms, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and our Twitter. We're on Discord and on Reddit, and our own personal Patreon as well. So go check that out. Let people know where you can find Monster Kid Radio by sending them to monsterkidradio.net. 
I haven't mentioned this in uh, at least a week or two, but we've got that ongoing IMDb project right now where you can add podcast episodes to the Internet Movie Database. If this is something that you're good at and you have the time, please consider going in and helping us add episodes of Monster Kid Radio to the IMDb listings. Go check out how they're listed already, especially like the first 50 or so, because those are the ones that I've entered. That's the format that we're kind of sticking with. So if you have the time, the inclination, and a login that lets you do it, please consider submitting some additions to the Internet Movie Database so we can get every single episode of Monster Kid Radio, and I realize there's over 600 of them, listed on the Internet Movie Database. I think it'd be really cool to have us listed there. And uh, it's a lot, a lot. So if you can help out, that would be awesome. You know what? Tell you what, if you've been on the show, I task, no, I ask you to get yourself listed on the Internet Movie Database through the Monster Kid Radio IMDb listing. I know at least one of you have already done it that way, and it's much appreciated. All of your support is appreciated, whether it's through Patreon, whether it's through reposting posts and sharing tweets and that sort of thing, or come by the Monster Kid Movie Club over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. Haven't been able to do a live thing in the past couple of weeks, but right now, as I'm recording, there are movies playing over there. I have got a 15-hour, excuse me, 17-hour block of spooky movies and old dark house movies playing over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. They're completely free to watch. Go on over there, check it out. You might see an ad or two unless you subscribe, and then that does cost like five bucks a month. If you subscribe or if you watch an ad, you're supporting Monster Kid Radio. Every little bit helps. And, you know, it's cool to watch movies with your friends online. So head on over there and check that out. I'm going to leave that going. I know I say till Friday, but it's probably going to run all weekend, especially since I'm not going to be around on Saturday. I'm going to be at KuvCon. KuvCon 23 is happening in Vancouver, Washington at the Vancouver Mall, uh, September 9th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Unfortunately, there's not a schedule listed on their website, but I can tell you that they've got Michael Kudlitz, I think I pronounced his name correctly. He is from The Walking Dead. And then another actor by the name of Dan Fogler, who was in Fantastic Beasts, uh, as well as a few other flicks. He's going to be there as well as special guests. And Monster Kid Radio is going to have a panel at 4.30, Meet Monster Kid Radio. Beth and I are going to be there, and we're going to be talking about Monster Kid Radio and all sorts of other spooky monster things at the Vancouver Mall. I'd love to see you, and for the most part, it's free. General admission, $0. $20 for general admission, and that gets into the panels and the secret room and meet the celebrity guests and that sort of thing. But if you want to come and check out Fender Village and Artist Alley and meet the cosplayers and watch the cosplay competition, $0. Come check it out and come look for me. I'll be wearing a Monster Kid Radio shirt. You won't be able to miss me. And I'll be with the cutest redhead you've ever seen because Beth will be there with me as well. So maybe I'll see you at KuvCon or maybe I'll see you in a couple of weeks at Rose City Comic Con, which is coming up. Uh, wow, it's coming up soon. September 22nd through the 24th. And on September 22nd from 5 to 5.45 p.m., Monster Kid Radio will be celebrating a decade of dishing about monsters with a live panel, a live episode of Monster Kid Radio. It'll be recorded live at the very least anyway. And Beth and I are going to be there. Chris McMillan will be there as well. We're going to be on the weird stage, which is the biggest room I've ever had at a panel or an event. So this should be a good time, if not a little intimidating. Hey, make it easier on me. Give me some friendly faces to look at by coming out to Rose City Comic Con and joining me on Friday for the decade of dishing about monsters, Monster Kid Radio panel. 
or just hang out. Come up and see us. We'd love to meet you. We love meeting listeners in person. I love showing off what I do on the podcast front to my wife. I love showing my wife off to my podcast listeners. You know, I just love hanging out with y'all and talking monsters. So hopefully I'll get to see you there. Drop me a line at monsterkidradio at gmail.com if you're going to be at KoofCon or Rose City Comic Con, and I'll keep an eye out for you. Like I said, I'm going to hard to miss. Again, I'll be wearing a Monster Kid Radio shirt of some sort, I'm sure. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Let's go ahead and wrap up by reminding you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Tope Suicida. That is copyright 2023 Atomicos. They're an awesome surf band based out of Alberta. Check them out at atomicos.bandcamp.com and pre-order the album Fins Up. It comes out on September 15th and you can pick up the song Tope Suicida as well as the rest of the songs on this 11-song album and support an amazing surf band in the process. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.